and this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. First Peter 3.7, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the women as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And from Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Last week we talked about wives, and we were, were going verse by verse through the book of First Peter, which is a letter that was written by the Apostle Peter to a group of Christians that were living in what's modern-day Turkey today. And what's true today was true then. There are not a substantial amount of the majority of people in Turkey are not Christians, and even fewer were Christians at the time Peter wrote this letter. There were Christians, a very small amount of them, scattered throughout these five provinces of, uh, of Rome that were in this area, and he was call, uh, calling, writing to them. He wasn't calling them at that point, um, but he was calling them with his words and his, that were written to live lives in a different way, to embrace the fact that you're a stranger in a foreign land. And so our sermon series is called Stranger Beings, and yes, it's a play off the Uh, of the show Stranger Things, and uh, it's a show that a lot of us are are watching, and what's different about Christians is something that we are supposed to embrace. Not the things that make us us come across obnoxious to certain people. Uh, What we want to stand out in is being of higher character, uh, being good morals, uh, someone, people of integrity, not somewhat, some, we want to have people, can I start over? (laughs) We want to be people of integrity. We want to stand out for good things and not stand out because we stand against something. But what we do is we stand for Christ and we stand for others as well, those who need help in lives and so in their lives. So last week we talked about wives and this week we're talking about husbands. So even if you are not married, this is something that I want to encourage you to pay attention to because especially if you're uh, wanting to be a wife one day and find a husband, then you want to be looking for godly characteristics in a husband. And if you are a man who wants to be married one day, you want to become 
a godly husband so that God will bless you, hopefully, with a godly wife as well. And if you are married, then I hope that you'll find some uh, practical, helpful ways to bless your marriage because in marriage you have a wonderful opportunity to live and love like Christ. And today we're talking about this with husbands. And so I want us to get started. You can follow along in your worship folder. There's an outline. We're going to fill in some blanks. And it's talking about a husband who honors his wife. When he does this, he shows the strength, the grace, and the love of God. And we're going to talk about three points from this section of Scripture that Johnny so wonderfully read for us a few moments ago. So if you would join me uh, in your outline, we'll start with number one, and we'll fill in these blanks. Number one is, understanding does not always mean you understand. Understanding does not always mean you understand. Now, men, this point should encourage you in great ways, because I have learned that there are many times I just don't understand my wife. There are things about her that are, that are different than me. Our brains function differently. For example, I remember when I was reading through a, a marriage book, and it was helping men understand women more, and I, I read through it, and it talked about how we process information differently. And it used the illustration of computers, and if you're familiar with computers, which if you're not, we should talk. Um, <laughs> you should be. But basically, on a computer screen you have all these different windows you can open up. And they're at the top left corner, there's the close button, and there's the minimize button, and there's also, I think, the maximize button or whatever it is. But a lot of times, men, we, we think very uh, differently. We think about one thing at a time and only one thing at a time. And so we have one window opened up, and then when we're done thinking about that, we close that window, and then we open up a new one. Okay? But evidently, Women don't necessarily function that way in general. A lot of times they have a lot of windows open up, like 10 or 20 or 30, and they just minimize, and they have the, the bottom's filled with all these little windows, and they just go between all of them all the time. And so they're thinking about all these things at one time, going from one thing to another. Everything's kind of connected. And uh, it said, um, why don't you try this exercise? Why don't you go home or go to your wife right now and just ask her this question? Honey, what are you thinking right now? And then it said, buckle up, because she's going to tell you. Be ready to listen. So I go home, and I, I lived right next to uh, the house at the time, went home from the office, and I, I walked in, and she was cooking, cooking lunch. So I thought, she's going to be thinking about cooking. <laughs> and she's cooking, and I said, hey, Carrie. She's like, what? I said, uh, what are you thinking about right now? First of all, she looked at me like I was crazy. Like, why are you asking me that? And she says, what do you mean? I was like, well, I don't know. It's Wondering, curious as to what your, what your thoughts are, and what are you thinking about? Um, well, I'm thinking about the kids' schoolwork, and how I have to do this and do that. And I was thinking about, oh, I need to go to the store and get this from, from there, and it would be nice to go to Walmart. And I, you know, I hadn't called my mom back, you know, because we were talking on the phone, and she's, she listed like 13, 14 different things, and I was just listening like, oh, my goodness. None of those things were cooking. There was, evidently, there was no thought going on as to what was happening in the stove and these things putting together. And uh, I, just, I just went over to her, and I hugged her, and I said, I, I love you. 
and I, I think I understand you a little bit more now, because we're just wired very differently. To me, that sounds like a foreign concept, and to me, it sounds like that would drive me crazy to be thinking about all those things at once. And she's like, yes, that, that's right, it does drive you crazy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. We're starting to, to understand a little bit more. And so I can live with her in an understanding way, even though I may not have the capability to understand exactly what she's going through, how she's wired. And so this should bring relief to us as we talk about this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, where it says this. Look with me here. So he talked about uh, the wives, and then he says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Live with your wives in an understanding way. He says, I want you to show grace to your wives. I want you to be patient with them. I want you to love them. I want you to understand how I view your marriage, how God views your marriage, how you're to view your wife, and how it is different from what culture says about your marriage and how you should view your wife. Because in this culture, in this day, for him to live with his wife in an understanding way and even go further, which he's about to go further in this, was against the cultural norm of the day. Wives were property, basically. They were second-class citizens. They didn't have rights. They had to adopt the, the religion of their husband. They were, not to, they were to be seen and not heard, like we think of children sometimes today. They were not to be equal. But God said something different. He said, this is not what I have designed. She's not to be your servant. She's not to be the one that just does whatever you desire. She is the first person that I want you to honor. And I want you to live with her in an understanding way. I want you to listen to her. I want you to understand her situation and what it means for her to live as a woman. For example, I walk down the New York City streets all the time. Not once, okay? Never, never, never have I ever worried about stepping on a subway grate. The ladies know why. You got to be careful with those things because if you're wearing heels, that will mess you up, right? Your heels will go down in that subway grate. I never had to do that. There's, there's tons of things that women deal with in this world that men never deal with and vice versa. But husbands, we're talking about you today. Listen to your wives because things that matter to her matter to you whether you think it does or not. I remember a day when I didn't understand how catcalling was bad. Because I would think, I would love it if people would whistle at me <laughs> and say, ooh, hot stuff. That would make me feel pretty good. But now, I realize that it goes further than that. And sometimes people say things much worse than that. I don't deal with that, but my wife has dealt with that. And so I am to live in an understanding way with her. And understanding means, this is hard for us to understand as guys, understanding means listening with the objection, uh, objective, listening with the objective of understanding, not listening with the objective to fix her problems. See, fixing her problems is good when the time is right, but she'll let you know when that time is. A lot of times we want to jump in there and fix it, 
And that is a natural instinct, and it's a good instinct because we want to help. But in a marriage especially, the best thing for us to do is to listen and understand how your wife is feeling. How is she, how is she dealing with the emotions that are being raised because of the circumstances she's going through? Sometimes those are more important than the actual circumstance she's going through. Many times she knows exactly what needs to be done. She knows how to fix the problem. She just needs to talk about it. Amen? No? Am I wrong? I thought that was right. Okay. I think you're with me. Husbands chapter 5. Uh, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5. <laughs> Turn to the book of husbands in the Bible. I wish it were that easy, right? We need a manual for this. Uh, the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. It says this. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and he proved it by he gave himself up for her. Love your wives just like Christ loved the, loved the church and he gave himself up for the church. The church is, is you and me. It's, it's the, those who believe in Christ. He gave himself up for us. That's how we know Christ loved us. So he knew, Christ knew what we needed. He knew that we needed rescued from our sin and what he did was he gave us what we needed by giving himself up, by sacrificing himself for us to get it. And so husbands, that's something that we're to emulate in our lives is that when our wives are needing something, that we are to lead them through sacrificial submission, sacrificial giving of ourselves. We're not to lead them by follow my orders, but we're to lead them by giving up ourselves for them. And the more that you put yourself in a position of listening to your wife and understanding her, the more you put yourself in that position of living with understanding with her, living patiently, living with mercy, listen, the more you're going to start to understand her. You know, you may not fully get there to where you totally get it, but over time, if that's the posture that you have for one another, You will start to think more like one another. You become more like one another over time. And I want you to resist the temptation when you are at odds with one another to throw in the towel. Because many times husbands think, I just can't figure this out. I'm I'm just, I'm done with it. And they'll start pursuing other passions instead of their wives. Or they'll start growing cold and distant from one another. But instead, when that temptation comes, and it will come, if it isn't already there, it will come. Instead, in that moment, realize this, that you have a tremendous opportunity to love someone the way Jesus loves you. You have, in that moment, an opportunity to give sacrificially of yourself in order to bless them, which is exactly what Christ has done for you. But you don't understand my wife. She's selfish. She doesn't do this. She doesn't do that. And and I've tried everything. No, 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 no. You don't love your wife because of who she is. You love your wife because of what Christ has done for you. And a lot of times, the issues that you have with them, it's not all their fault. A lot of times, we're not loving the other person the right way in marriage. And I want you to remember this. When you feel the temptation to quit, Jesus did not quit on you. He has not stopped pursuing you. He hasn't stopped giving of himself for you. 
And so let that fuel you to realize, yes, I can continue to go. I can live with my wife in an understanding way, even though I may not understand. Number two on your list. Leverage your strength to strengthen your wife. Leverage your strength to strengthen your wife. Most of us understand that when people are using their power and their strength, and they use it to magnify themselves and to promote themselves by either putting other people down or oppressing other people or using other people, we realize we don't like that. That That's not a good thing. That's not a redeeming characteristic. And it bothers us for a very good reason, because we know something within us that God has put within us knows that, that using our strength for our own glory and our own benefit is selfish and it is not God's plan for our life. It's not the way God wants us to be. We, we know that bullying is wrong. We know that uh, abuse is wrong. And so we are to leverage, husbands, our strength to strengthen, to build up our wives. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, we'll go back to that verse and read it a little bit further this time. Uh, the first point we talked about was understanding, and it says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And now we're getting to this point, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. And we'll stop there. So the weaker vessel here is a term that if you just jump in here and read it, uh, you can be very offended by this because you're, uh, it makes me think of the, the liar, liar, Jim Carrey, when he's giving the, uh, the, the, uh, the rebuttal in the, the courtroom and he goes, there's no such thing as the weaker sex. Remember that? No, just me. All right. Well, he said that, and it, I think that comes from here, and a lot of times uh, women will say, what do you mean? I don't like this. You know, what do you mean I'm weaker? Here's what it means. It simply means, in general, men are physically stronger than women. It's not talking about emotional strength. It's not talking about spiritual strength. It's certainly not talking about intelligence. It's not talking about anything other than the fact that, in general, I know there are exceptions to this, but in general, men have a physical strength that is stronger than a woman. This is a lot of times why women feel insecure when they're walking down the street and a group of guys are around because she feels like she could be overpowered in that moment. Our bodies are created differently. And Peter says, husbands, do not use your physical strength to rule your wife. In fact, you're to use that strength and wield it to build her up and to strengthen her. And he goes on to say, she is your co-heir in Christ. That means you are together. You are equal. You are both sons of God. Sons has this adoptive term of inheritance that you, you the, the sons of the day were got the inheritance, not the daughters. And so there's this sonship that comes to every child of God where you are receiving full benefits, full inheritance as a child of God. And he is saying, your wife is on the same ground as you are. And again, this is revolutionary for the crowd and the day that he was talking to. He says, you are both equal in this marriage. And if we turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, we can walk through this for a second. He says, husbands, love your wives. And he goes to that you, or like Christ loves the church, that he, Christ, might sanctify her, set the church apart as his holy people, having cleansed the church by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church, the bride of Christ, to himself in splendor, without spot." without wrinkle, without any such thing, 
that she, the church, might be holy and without blemish. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That we are, be, are being presented before God as perfect. That there's no blemish. And I know that every time I look in the mirror, first of all, I'm like, wow, God, you did a good job. Um, no, I'm kidding, I don't do that. But we look in the mirror, right? And we, <laughs> we can kind of pick ourselves apart, right? And we can look and we can say, there's a flaw here, there's a flaw there. And as we age, maybe wrinkles show up. But that's not the way God sees us. That we are, we are perfect and we are pure, we are holy without blemish. And he's saying, in this perfect state, God, Christ has done this for you to make you perfect, to strengthen you, to make you all these beautiful things. And he says, husbands, in verse 28, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. You should love her the same way you love yourself. And he who loves his wife loves himself. He's saying you should love her as you love yourself because when you love her, you're actually loving yourself because you're one. Verse 29 says, for, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it. Even when sometimes we think, I hate my body, you don't really hate it. You, you're just, you're frustrated with how it looks, but you love your body. Otherwise, you wouldn't care what it looked like. You wouldn't be saying, I hate my body because you wouldn't care. So he says, no one ever hated his flesh, but you nourish and you cherish it just as Christ loves the church, just as he does the church. And he does this in verse 30 because we are members of his body. Christ loves us in this powerful way because we are members of his body. We are one with him. We are in Christ. This is a powerful thing for us to understand that we are in Christ, that we are one. And in verse 31 it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one. Practically speaking on that one, quickly, men, you have to love your wife more than you love your mom. I, I was surprised to find this out, but a lot of times men will honor and love their mom and put her ahead of their wife. But when you are married, you leave mama and you leave daddy and you are joined to this woman, and, and you become a new family. Husband and wife become family before children are ever involved. You become a family. You're a one. And what he's saying in this moment, he says, use all this strength, just like the church uses the strength of Christ. He's saying, use your strength, use your physical strength and all your um, abilities that you have. Use your strength to protect your wife, to provide for your wife, and also for your family as it grows. You're to lead them like Christ leads you by sacrificially giving your life for them. You're to build her up. And the better she looks, the happier she is, the more full of joy she is. Husbands, the better you look. You're to build her up. Use your strength to strengthen her. Number three. Number three says, God will honor you when you honor your wife. God will honor you when you honor your wife. So if you find yourself in a downcast, joyless state of life where you feel like God's not answering your prayers, then maybe one of the things you could check is how you're treating your wife. Honoring your wife is not doing for her what you think you should do for her. It's not doing for her what you think she wants, but it's listening to her and finding out what she wants, what she needs, so that you can show her honor. It's praying for her. 
It's sacrificing for her, and it's using your strength to sanctify her and to help her to become more holy. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, we'll go back to that and get this point from there as well. It says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. This is where that comes from. So that your prayers with me might not be hindered. He's saying, if you're not honoring your wife, if the relationship you have with her isn't good, then the relationship you have with me isn't good. You remember when Jesus was preaching, he talked about if you go to the altar to give a gift and you remember there that you have offended your brother, stop trying to give me a gift and go make it right with your brother first and then come back and make your offering. This isn't in my notes, so I'm going to take a step of faith here because I think the Holy Spirit's leading me to say this. It is very dangerous to think that our Christianity is an individual sport. It's dangerous for us to think that our, our Christianity is just, it's just between me and God. My faith is just between me and Him. It's a private thing. That is not biblical. That is not what the Bible says. Your Christianity has very much to do with your relationship with other people. Your marriage, your friends, the people inside the church, the people outside the church. You cannot, 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 cannot have a healthy relationship with God if your relationship with other people is not healthy. In that aspect, it is a very social gospel. The good news of God tells us to, it is our um, problem, it is our mission to find out what is going on out here and to seek restoration in these relationships. Because if this isn't good, then this isn't going to be good. If our relationship with people isn't good, then our relationship with God isn't going to be good. And that's what he's saying here. You need to do this so that your prayers may not be hindered, so that God will hear you. And in James chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So it was talking about sin in this moment and how it hinders our prayers. And it says confess it to one another. And it does, then it doesn't say judge one another when they confess to you like I can't believe you did that. But it's receiving that confession and praying for them. Instead of throwing stones at them, we go to our knees and we bow to God for them. Confessing your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has what? Great power as it is working. So when our relationships are right and our relationship with God is right, when we pray, things will happen. And so if you're finding uh, uh, not a lot of fruit in your prayer life, look around. See where these relationships are hindering. See where sin has, has crept in and confess those things and receive forgiveness and grace from God. And we'll talk more about that in a second as well. But I want to go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32 and 33. After he talked about, uh, this is Paul who wrote this letter, so Peter and Paul. And in uh, verse 32 it says, this mystery is profound. He just got through talking about marriage. He says, but I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. I'm trying to teach you about Christ and the church through marriage. But I also want you to learn how to marriage the right way too. And he says, however, let each one of you, husbands, right? He's still talking to husbands. Let each one of you love his wife as himself. And then he reminds the wives, he says, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Very simply put, 
I know that there are exceptions to this as well, and it's not exclusive, but in general, women want to be loved and accepted by their husbands. In general, men want to be respected by their wives. Yes, do I want my wife to love me? Absolutely. Does she want me to respect her? Absolutely. But the way we're designed is is different, and those are the things that we crave. When my wife believes in me and says, good job, that was wonderful, whatever, it means so much to me. When she respects me and uh, it, it builds me up, and when I'm loving her and doing for her what she wants me to do, which is like cleaning out the dishwasher, you know, without being asked, you know, even little things like that can bless her because it's me paying attention and doing something that I normally wouldn't do. Sorry for leaving the dishes in the sink last night, Carrie. I I just remembered I did that. So, see, I'm confessing my sin to one another because I'm going to pray in a moment and I want to make sure that it's not hindered. So, So I have a question for you. How do you speak to your wife? Another question, how do you speak about your wife to other people? Please, please, please never refer to your wife as my old lady. I don't hear that much up here. Heard it a lot growing up in Arkansas, but that's that's just terrible, okay? She's not your old lady. She's your bride. How, How do your friends speak about their wives? Who are the people you're hanging out with? How do your friends speak about women in general? Are they honoring women, or are they using them? You honor your wife, men, when you honor all women as well. We live in a world that uh, has a lot of beauty, and just because you have a ring on your finger doesn't mean that you stop noticing that other people are beautiful. But listen, your wife is your wife. She's the one that is to have your heart's affection. She is the one. And even in that relationship, As husbands, we are to continue to pursue purity and holiness as we pursue our wives. Because even in marriage, you can find yourself using your wife for your own purposes. I have good news today for all of us that if you have failed in honoring your wife or if you failed in honoring your husband or future husband or whoever it may be, I think I can safely assume that all of us at some point have failed in some way, then Sunday, which is today, is a day to remember that there's a fresh start that Jesus gives to us. That the story isn't going to end with failure. Today is a day to remember grace. Today is a day to remember mercy. Today is a day to remember a new start, a fresh beginning a new life that God has given to us. If you remember, we just celebrated Easter a few, a uh, couple Sundays ago, and Good Friday happened before Easter. If we didn't have Good Friday, Easter is not that big of a deal. And if Good Friday happened and there was no Easter, we wouldn't call it Good Friday because it would be a gruesome death of Jesus. But that's not what happened. On Easter, Jesus rose from the dead. If you remember the Peter who wrote this letter to these people a f- couple uh, decades after the, the resurrection of Christ, he wrote this letter Two Christians, he was the one who failed Jesus. I would, say, I would say he failed him the most of all of them because he had told him, he made promises, Jesus, I will never deny you. I will follow you to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, before the rooster crows, and you're going to deny me three times. He's like, no, 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 I got this. And it happened just like Jesus said. Someone, aren't you, Peter, aren't you the guy that was with Jesus? No, 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 that's not me. That's not me. 
I don't know him. Wait, wait, wait. I think that guy was with No, no, no. I'm not with him. I'm not with him. Wait a second. Yeah, you're the guy. He even swears to show how I am not with that guy. And then the rooster crows, and it hits him like a ton of bricks. It crushes Peter. He's like, I did what I thought I would never do. I called him Messiah. I called him Lord. But I failed. I knew I, I said I would never do that, but I, but I did. And he was despondent and without hope, and he was gone Friday and Saturday. I can't imagine the weight that he must have felt. But then Sunday morning happens. And the women, they go to the tomb in Mark chapter 16, verses 5 and following, and, and entering the tomb of Jesus where they were expecting to see a dead body, they saw a young man sitting on the right side an angel dressed in a white robe, and, and they were alarmed. They were afraid, and, and the angel said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Do you see that? Do you see what the angel said? And Peter. Go tell the disciples, but I want you to to go tell Peter because he needs to hear this. He needs a word. He needs to know that there's a fresh start for him. That was Jesus' way of saying, Peter, bro, you messed up. You messed up big. I know it. You know it. And one day everybody's going to know it because it's going to be written down. But Peter, today's a new day for you. Peter, I'm coming for you. I'm going to meet you. I'm coming to get you. But instead of bringing judgment, I'm going to throw my arms around you and I'm going to embrace you with the strength and love and my forgiveness. And today on Sunday, this is a new day for all of us because we have been like Peter, that we have failed other people and we have certainly failed God. But it's not over for you. It's not over for you. It's not over for me. You're still here right now in this moment for a reason. And so I want you to live today knowing that the Lord desires a new beginning, a fresh wind in your life, a new beginning for your marriage, a new beginning for your singleness, a new beginning for your future marriage. It's not over. The Lord is risen. What Jesus did was he surrendered himself in totality in order to beautify and to purify his bride, the church. And this is good news for us because if you go back to our points and think about those Jesus, unlike husbands, understands the complexities of all of us. He gets us. Which may be kind of scary to think about. It's like, oh, I can't hide anything from him. He knows everything about me. But the good news is, he knows everything about us, and he still chooses to live with us in an understanding way. 
He constantly showers us with grace and with mercy. Jesus certainly is strong. He's the epitome of strength, and he he leverages all the strength of God in order to build us up. And instead of tearing us down to feel better about about himself, he uses all of his strength, and he laid down his life in order to rescue us from sin and death. His strength strengthened us. And the third one is that Jesus was honored by God. Husbands, when you, you'll be honored when you honor your wife. Jesus was honored by God the Father and now has the name above all names. The one that every tongue will confess as Lord. He is honored because he saved us. He is the Son of God and God honors himself. And when we love like Jesus loves, when husbands love their wives, and even when wives love their husbands, and when we love one another the way Christ loves us, we now are positioning ourselves to be in a place where God can pour out honor into our lives. Husband, a name of strength and love, I encourage all of you to live in that strength. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Father, for the mercy and the grace that you pour out on us with your majestic, powerful, holy, and righteous hands. We are saved from death because you chose to love us. Even while we were rebelling against you, you have changed our hearts from disobedience to obedience by your grace. You love us, and and Jesus on the cross proves it. Thank you. I pray you would bless the husbands in here. I pray you would empower us to love our wives in a supernatural way that would prove to them how much we love them. I pray that you would bless our current marriages with your peace and draw husbands and wives closer together. Guard their relationship. Bless our singles who desire to be married one day. Give them power to trust you in this season knowing and believing that you desire to give them something better than they could even hope for in this moment. Bring them godly husbands and wives. Protect them from compromising their faith that you will provide. And help us all to love one another the way you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.